Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From page to screen. Hello. We got no ringtone today. I know. There was silence. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I was staring at the chat and there was a big join call green button, so I pressed it and wished for the best. It was. Uh, you can end up in some very random conversations doing that. I mean, next thing, you know, Stuart Miller might be here. <laughs> I know. Talk of the devil. How was your gig? How was your gig, Stu? Um, it was in a new venue and the whole floor was bouncing. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I think it's good unless it collapses on you. Yeah, it yeah. didn't collapse. That's the good thing. But the whole entire floor, the, it was completely sold out, completely packed. About 1,200 people there. Nice. And the whole floor was absolutely bouncing. Would you, would, was there, were all 1,200 in close proximity as well? Pretty much. Does that make Pretty you nervous, <laughs> Rob? <laughs> it you, doesn't make me nervous. Are you ready for twelve? I wasn't there. Are you ready for eleven hundred and ninety-nine people surrounding you yet? Nah. No. No. <laughs> to, to be fair, I didn't want eleven hundred and ninety-nine people surrounding me before COVID. So no. I think that's a lot of it. I think I do that to a certain extent. We sort of use COVID as an excuse, going, "Yeah, I don't like crowds." I never really liked crowds previously, and well, it depends on the crowd, to be honest. But how was your? Yeah. How were you feeling, though, Stu? Because you were ropey like a few days before. I was fine. It's sort of like it's it's that kind of thing where it's a bit of a decent tonic because it makes you just forget everything. Yeah. And um, even when you're not feeling very well, you're still actually just the energy in the room itself. Sort of like is the remedy. Yeah. From when you're not feeling very well, so you just forget about it. And then as soon as you're on the tree and on the way back, that's when it just hits you like a brick wall. <laughs> you just go, oh, right. It's like you've went uh, 10 rounds with every number one boxer that has ever been crowned number one boxer. And just get, just remind us who you went to see again, because I would like to say I remember, but I don't. It was a German um, EDM dance metal core rock band called Electric Cowboy. Okay. And this is the first time you've seen them? Yes, um, it's, the, it's the, one of the first times they've played in the UK. And where was the recommendation from? What made you go see them? Were you listening to them beforehand and thought, oh, yeah. they're on tour, I'll go? Yeah, I've been listening for a couple of years. Where do you find your music? Because that's the thing, it's like, I, don't, I, I need some new music, and I'm not saying I'm going to discover the same music you would. It may scare me, I think, a lot of the stuff you listen to. But <laughs> where, where do you find your new music now? How do you discover them, these new bands? Yeah. There's a reaction channels mainly. So um, there is a couple of reaction channels which I do have on subscription on me YouTube. Um, so there's one called Hardcore, um, Metal Burb, and the Nick Nocturnal. So those are the three that I get a lot of my... Because they do, even though they do listen to Deathcore, they listen to everything from Deathcore to just normal rock. So everything in between, which is a huge massive chasm of music. So I just mainly get my new picks from them, and then obviously bands that I listen to as well, release new material, etc. So 
it's just off that. So mainly recommendations and reaction channels on YouTube. Okay. And how much does it cost for a reaction channel subscription? Nothing, because it's YouTube. All right. It's just you mentioned you had a couple of subscriptions. That made, I, I was under the impression it cost. So, yeah, so you just subscribe. Yeah, okay. I just subscribe to them on YouTube. I may look into that as well, because I just keep listening to the same old stuff over and over and over again, because I haven't discovered anything new. Now, for me, that could be because there's no music out there that I like that's new. But, um, but no, it's probably because I'm lazy. I'll recommend two bands for you. They're not extreme at all. Okay. So um, don't worry, you're not going to go into a band that is going to be screaming about blood <laughs> from their nether regions, which, by the way, there is a band called Cannibal Corpses, and they did sing about a song about blood streaming from their nether regions. Brilliant. I think um, that was played at your birthday party, wasn't it, Rob? That track, <laughs> I believe, that was that was the headline. As a yeah. matter of fact, Cannibal Corpses was the band in Yes Ventura Pet Detective when he goes into that bar and he starts dancing around. That was, was it Cannibal really? Corpses. So yes. I, I've heard um, them. But the two bands I recommend, there's a band called Diasique, which are from America, okay. which is a brilliant band. They've just not long released a brand new album. That new album is phenomenal. And there's a, a completely brand new band called uh, Floye, F-L-O-Y-E. Yep. They've only got five singles out, and I highly recommend Floyer. Okay. Um, they are such a, a band where their music is, it will bring a smile to your face. Brilliant. I've um, written, written like, both of those down, so I'm so glad you did spell out Floyer, because <laughs> I was actually writing the them down. Brilliant. Yeah, despite the lyrics uh, from Floyer and some of the songs, um, they are quite deep, but uh, the, some of the songs just make you absolutely bop. Um, I recommend listening to a song called uh, Dark Sun, from uh, Dear Seeker, because that will actually be stuck in your brain. Dark sun, as in the orange ball in the sky, or child? As in the orange ball in the as sky. In the orange ball, which we've not seen for a long, long time. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'll write that down, too. I'll go down that rabbit hole. Definitely those two bands. Dear Seeker, you'll, Dear Seeker's got a decent back catalogue, and Floyer are a completely brand new band. They've only got five songs. Brilliant. Well, I will use those music and they will keep me hopefully sane in my uh, first night shift back at my job tomorrow night. And I can't be asked, but, you know, I suppose I've got to go, got to go back to work at some point. So, Rob, where'd you get your music from? Uh, the 80s. The 80s, is that's where you get it from. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm stuck there and I enjoy it. So, What, what are you listening to? Right? So, what sort of bands are you listening to from the 80s that you listened to recently? Um, well, whoever, uh, the, uh, you know, um, popular household voice assistant, um, kind of serves up when you uh, say, play me hits from the eighties. Do, do you know I, what they've done? What Alexa's done now is fucking awful because you used to be able to say like <laughs> her name and then say like, play, play Dayseeker, for example. And you would get all the songs that, that she's got access to for Dayseeker. No, not anymore. Now you get like two or three songs and then they play random stuff. It's a pain in the arse. I hate what they've done with the, with the voice-activated devices. She may be getting traded for Google or something. Um, <laughs> um, no, Google does that. Does that do that as well? Yeah, because I, I, I have um, a Google Nest and I have... Well, I've got a... A smart clock, a smart alarm clock, even though I don't use the alarm, but it's got both Alexa and Google in it. Okay. And um, Google does that. Even when I say, yes, play songs by Linkin Park, for example, 
Yeah. It might, uh, might play a few songs and then all of a sudden you hear the Biscuit and Slipknot yeah. on Avia. Exactly. And even though I'm a fan of them, I actually specifically want to listen to that one specific band I've asked for. Isn't it? It's but, like going into a supermarket going, I want a pizza and coming out with like a tin of beans. You're like, I like beans, but I wanted a pizza. And it's it's only done that <laughs> over the past month or so. And they've been yeah. making this big hoo-ha. Oh, we've added all these extra songs. Yay, well, that's great. But no, it's not, because now you're not playing what I want, unless you pay the extra subscription, in which case you can get stuffed, because I'm paying enough subscriptions out to other stuff. And I'm paying for Amazon anyway. So yeah. they, they ain't charging me more. So I tend to use my iPod more now than I previously did. So, However, I've linked it up to my Spotify, the, uh, the voice-activated device, and that's slightly better, but not much. So. Would you believe it? The the um, the Google version, even though because I have YouTube Premium, and you would think Google owns YouTube, yeah. So it would make more sense to have YouTube Premium, and they would link up together. Christ, it's rubbish. Because when you ask uh, to play some music on YouTube Premium, it goes straight to Spotify, right? Which doesn't make sense because YouTube Premium is my default music uh, um, on my phone anyway. Yeah. So you would instantly think. Go to YouTube. Yep. You you want it, but nope, it goes to Spotify. It's madness, yeah. isn't it? I hate it. Doesn't make sense. No. So other than gigs, how's your week been, Steve? Or shit. week or, week or two, <laughs> actually. Has it been shit? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, the work has just been an absolute barley, so. Oh, no. <laughs> Rob, Rob, can you do any better? <laughs> you can't, um, you can, because you've had, like, half your shift off on holiday, so. Yeah, exactly. I, I've had a good week. Uh, I haven't had to work as much. Uh, uh, me and the family went off to see Santa, Ugh, um, Santa. and uh, and real reindeers. Um, and and yeah, uh, you know, we've had uh, a great week. Well, that's all right. But let's let's pretend you've not mention Santa, because, you know, Christmas can do one, uh, other than watching Gremlins. Which is... is it this because you were a naughty boy when you were little and you never got No, it's just because I had... Sh- like you... <laughs> it's just because I had shit parents, to be fair. Uh, and I'm just, I'm not a fan Children, of... if you're listening, Santa is real. Don't listen to Stuart. Santa's made up bullshit. Um, Santa's <laughs> real if you want him to be, but, you know, or her. Or, or whatever. I don't know anymore. Um, but yeah, no. I was never naughty. I was, I was a very well-behaved child. I'm just not... I, I'm not a fan of how uh, I just don't like the retail side of it. Mm. Well, I've got to buy them, so I've got to buy this. I bought Bob a Christmas present last year. He's still not even collected it, <laughs> so it's it still wrapped up. Um, and go on, yeah. then I'll have it. Well, it, it's sitting there, and if he, if I see him this year, then he can have it. And if I don't, then you might end up with it. I don't know if you'd you'd like it, Rob, but you know, it's possible. So it's like, well, there's there's twenty quid that I spent that. I need enough. So, yeah, I've never been a fan of Christmas anyway. It can be a very lonely time of year, which is why I usually jump back into watching cool old films like Gremlins and The Goonies and Die Hard and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, yay. And then I will get to just revel in, in Stu Miller's top 10 movies, which we're going to go through next month and hours. Yeah. We're nearly at the end of these 10 movies uh, per month. So we, yep. we've nearly made it. So we've got a few days of November left, which is luckily, Stu, that you're here because you owe us 10 from November, don't you? Yes, I do indeed. Um, when it comes to next month, they are when I go through them, they will be in proper order as well. Wow. Oh. They are 10, 10 to 1. 
but they are in proper, proper order. I've got a joint two number ones because it depends Can't on who them in as to which one I like the favourite. But you've, I've, you've not, got, I've not you've ranked got them. Less than a, you've got less than a month to actually choose um, to put them. So you can't have a uh, joint number one. Nope, that's not... No. I think... Do you know what? I think I could pick a number one easily. The, the rest of them, I don't know if I could rank them because they're just like... But I will, I will, ho- I will have, I will have a definitive number one for you for next month. Guaranteed. So, so what have you got for November? See, it's just because of me. I, I, I sort of like, I already had my 10 wood out, so I thought, you know what, I'll put in order as well. But um, this month, <laughs> one film actually, which was going to be in next month's list, I actually moved out. Oh, you um, did it. I, yeah, I moved it into November's list. And you'll be surprised to hear it is actually Donnie Darko. Nice. Um, from 2001. I love Donnie Darko. Absolutely yeah. love that film. Um, first, well, it was the first acting role I saw uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in, um, even though he was in a film called The Bubble Boy before it. Um, but Donnie Darko is such a, it's such a hard film to grasp your brain around. And I think I was in that sort of like area where I was looking for very intellectual films. It was around the time of like Cube, and primer and Fermat's room and things like that. And so I was looking for either horror where it messed with your brain on a mental way rather than just a gore way and sci- this sci-fi as well. And it was just such an intelligent film, but told brilliantly. And I could sort of like see myself a little bit in Donnie yeah. um, in the film. And so it was, like I said, originally going to be in my 10 for next month, but I actually bumped it out to move one film into it. Wow. Donnie Darko yeah, is great. I love that film. So do I. So, yeah, uh, that, that's my first one. Second one, Kubo and the Two Strings. I love that movie. Absolutely love that. I love everything that Leica does. They are the masters of stop motion. I've yet to see Pinocchio. I know it's out in cinemas now. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. They're on Netflix next week, um, which I'm waiting for it to go come out on Netflix just because I've got a busy couple of weeks. So, um, yeah, I'm waiting for it to drop on Netflix, and from what I've heard, it's um, it's brilliant. But it's Guillermo del Toro, so what do you expect? The only one uh, thing that's making me nervous about this Pinocchio thing is I've only just recently watched the Tom Hanks one, which I know del Toro's <laughs> is probably going to be better. But it's yeah. it's kind of the same story, isn't it? So it's like, ugh. No. I wish I hadn't watched the Tom Hanks one, because it's, then the story would not, be made. It's not the same story, because um, this um, Pinocchio is actually based on the novel. Because Tom Hanks has won, Pinocchio is based on the Disney uh, 1930s, 1940s, sorry, animated feature. Um, and that was loosely based on the novel because there are a lot of things, for example, and it's not, and this is not a spoiler because it is in the novel and it's not in Guillermo del Toro's one, but it has the same kind of tone. Uh, Jiminy Cricket dies in the novel. If you've oh, not read the wow. novel, he actually <laughs> dies in the novel. Um, and so Del Toro's takes a similar kind of blueprint from it. Yeah. So it's more akin to the novel rather than what we've seen from Disney. Um, as a matter of fact, it's the third Pinocchio film this year. Is that, I, didn't, I didn't know year. there was another yeah. one. Um, that was, there was one released uh, pretty much around about the same time as the Disney um, Pinocchio. But yeah, it is very, very akin to the novel itself. But sort of like Pinocchio, Del Toro's Pinocchio and Kubo and the Two Strings sort of like share a a same kind of blueprint and the fact that it is dark 
Um, it's not like it is for kids, but it doesn't talk down to kids. It actually, it, it's about serious subjects um, told in a very interesting manner, like her in stop motion. But it is just beautiful to look at. It got it, it got destroyed at the box office, pretty much the same as all of Leica's films, unfortunately, yeah. um, which is the reason why you haven't heard anything from Leica for a little while. Seriously, Cooper and the Two Strings, Strings is a fantastic film. Okay. Um, and then going all the way back to 1926, the film that wow. got me more uh, into sci-fi, it's Fritz Lang, Metropolis. Never, I've um, never I, seen that in its entirety, you know. <laughs> Um, I had to include it on the list itself. It's a phenomenal film. It's the birthplace of sci-fi. Um, and everybody who's into science fiction has to see uh, Metropolis. It still actually holds up to the surprise on it. So it, it, it I think it's um, because it's, I think it's in the public domain now. So I think you should find the full version of it on YouTube. Well, what, what I'm doing next year is I am going to try and mop up a lot of the classic films that I've never, ever seen. So I am just at this minute typing Metropolis on that list because it's definitely a classic, isn't it? Um, in your eyes, what do you deem as classic? So how far back do you, uh, do you have to, to go? It's not so much dates. It's, you know, you know like the big films that, that people, like the huge ones, for example, Casablanca, Sound of Music, uh, Sunset Boulevard, Metropolis, those sort of massive films that uh, that everybody sort of should have seen, like The Godfather and stuff, which obviously I have seen, but that type of thing. So it's not so much on the dates, it's just the huge films. But obviously I'm not going to put something like, um, you know, if I hadn't seen The Avengers or something, then I wouldn't necessarily put that on because that's kind of new. So I'm yeah. sort of, I'm going anything pre-2010, but but huge and popular. So something that was actually important to the landscape of film. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, for example, Beauty and the Beast being the first animated film to be nominated for Best Picture at the Oscars or, or something like that. Well, at the minute, I'll read, I'll read the list out very quick. It's not huge. I have got... These are films I've never seen, by the way. I've never seen any of these. Uh, the Maltese Falcon, Oliver Eve, My Left Foot, The Big Sleep, The Devils, The Big Heat, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane... The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Suspiria, which I always think I've seen, but I haven't. So it's like, I need to get that watched. Picnic at Hanging, Hanging Rock, Walkabout, Greatest Show on Earth, and now Metropolis. So those are all films I have never, ever seen in my life, but I'm going to try and watch them at some point next year. Um, and if, if that's the case, then add uh, Freaks to that list. Oh, I've seen Freaks. I love Freaks. Yeah, Freaks is a very hard film to watch, but definitely... Uh, put freaks, and if you haven't seen it, also Peeping Tom. Peeping oh. Tom, I've not seen. We tried to watch that, but it just felt really creepy, so we we sort of stopped Peep. watching it. But yeah, make sure that's on your list because it's very important to the slasher genre when it comes to horror films. Uh, uh, Peeping Tom. So on, 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 Annette's got a list as well because she's joining in, but her list isn't as long as mine. These are films that she has never seen ever. Monty Python's Life of Brian, The Seven Samurai, Clockwork Orange, Eternal Sunshine and the Spotless Mind, Taxi Driver, Once Upon a Time in America, Metropolis is already on her list, The Ten Commandments, The Pawn Broker, and the musical version of Oliver. So that's what she's going to be subjected to next year. So some good films there. And then you have to stick at least uh, one of the very, very early Studio Ghibli films on the list. I would recommend Nausicaa. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Nausicaa, yeah. Um, but moving but back yeah, on, uh, moving back onto so, your list, yeah. um, going into something very light-hearted, surprisingly a comedy on my list, um, just because this they, this actually introduced me to a directing duo who were just 
unstoppable in the realms of comedy. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, mm-hmm. 21 Jump Street. Nice. Yeah. 20, 21 Jump Street is a genius film because it's a comedy film that is actually funny. It, it just it proved that Phil Lord and Christopher Miller as well of just smart writers and smart directors and pretty much everything they touch when it comes to comedy or in that realm just turns to gold. Because you look, look at the, um, the Lego movie, for example, or Spider-Man, the Spider-Verse. Just look at, look at them. And just, yes, genius directors. So I had to include at least a comedy on that, show that um, I do have a little bit of a sense of humour. Yeah. Or uh, 21 Jump Street. Um, and then moving on to The Artist. Um, which again, I, I adored the artist when it came out in 2011. I named it my film of the year that year. Um, it introduced me to Michelle Hazanovicius, uh, Ben Rhys Bejot, who she is a phenomenal actress anyway. Ben Rhys Bejot, uh, Jean Desjardins as well. Um, and it's just it's a film that you never thought would actually do as well as it did because it's a black and white film that has absolutely no spoken dialogue apart. Well, technically no spoken dialogue. There is one line of dialogue. That is spoken in the entirety of the film itself. Um, but it's just a genius film. It showed you how much fil- film can captivate you even without sound. So highly recommend The Artist. And speaking about Ghibli, I had to include Spirited Away. You probably would have yeah. thought that Spirited Away might have been in my uh, top ten. Nope. Uh, Spirited Away is a brilliant film. It's, it is the, um, the Ghibli film that sort of like introduced a huge, massive wave of people to what Ghibli actually is because outside of before Spirited Away, I bet very few people actually heard of Studio Ghibli. Yep. And it was all down to the film show on BBC, which sort of like championed it. Uh, championed Spirited Away when it actually did come out um, in 2001. And thanks to that, it sort of like put Ghibli into the limelight and then Disney cottoned onto it. And now they've gone and made, um, well, LucasArts and Ghibli have gone and made a film together. I watched it last night. I watched it last night. Yeah. Yep. Um, So it's not very long. It's only a four-minute short, but it's sort of like getting people's um, chins wagging a little bit and thinking, is there a future here? Yeah. Is Ghibli going to make an animated Star Wars film? Oh, yes, please. Or, yes, please. Or as probably is what um, other people were thinking, is Disney going to be buying Ghibli? Oh, well, what do you think about that then? If, if, Lucas, if Disney and Lucas sort of bought, uh, bought Ghibli, what would your thoughts be? Would you be worried or would you be happy? Only if Disney turned around and said that we are not going to touch what Ghibli actually does. We are still going to allow Ghibli to be um, the animated studio that they are. Allow them to do the 2D hand-drawn animation. I'm not looking at Ewig and the Witch because that is my least favourite Ghibli film. Yep. And it was a foray into 3D animation. But always allow Ghibli to be Ghibli. If they turn around and says that um, we're not going to do that, then no. Then if they turn around and sort like... <laughs> yes. If they give some kind of guarantee in a way that they say, yes, we are going to allow Ghibli to be them, then it could only be good things for Ghibli. So as long as Ghibli kept their own identity. It's got to be some sort of tease, that, though, hasn't it? That short film. Yeah. There's no way it's like, yes, this is our team up. It's got to be be more to it than, than the Dust Mites and Grogu. 
Yeah, it, it, it definitely is. There is something something there. And so obviously people thought Star Wars, Ghibli film, um, Ghibli getting bought by Disney. Something else um, is Disney going is uh, Ghibli going to do something with say, Mickey Mouse, for example, because obviously Disney need to rebuy the rights to Mickey Mouse or they'll lose the rights. So th- there are obviously a lot of questions with hopefully an answer soon. But because Ghibli, unfortunately, they don't do very well um, in America and in the UK when it comes to box office for, for their films. And so they always seem to bomb just a little bit. So I'm hoping it's good things if there is something there between Disney and Ghibli. Me too. Um, and then next up is a film from 2017. I think you might have seen it, Stuart, but Rob, I don't think you would have. God's Own Country? I... Do you know what? That's one of those films that I remember thinking I'm going to watch it, and I don't know if I actually did end up watching it, so I'll need to revisit some stills and stuff on that and go oh yeah i did i'm not convinced i did i think it's one of those that's sitting on my list of films to watch at some point yeah i haven't you haven't yeah i i thought that was would be the case i highly (laughs) highly recommend it it's just about a a romanian um migrant worker who works on a farm and pretty much everybody just doesn't seem to get on with him at all he's sort of like an outcast and then strikes up a friendship and then more a relationship with one of the farmhands on the farm. It's just a simple story and um, focusing mainly on two two characters, but it's beautifully told. It's absolutely beautifully told. It shows you the kind of landscape that the UK has anyway, yeah. uh, because it's shot in um, in Yorkshire. And it's just beautiful farmlands um, for, as far as the eyes can see. But like I said, it's a film that just solely fixates on the relationship of two people, especially one person who's finding it a struggle to even just latch himself into an area with inside a place that isn't about want or what on homes or isn't about death it is just him trying to find a life and yeah it's a beautiful film so definitely god's own country should be seen okay. along with the next film from 2011 warriors i walked out the um the cinema when i saw warriors um, with just going, this is Tom Hardy's best performance. And to me, it still yeah. is Tom Hardy's best performance. And Joel Edgerton as well. It, it's just a phenomenal film because normally those kind of films are either hit and miss with me. This one was just a major hit. I wasn't. A, I knew about mixed martial arts MMA. Um, so I knew about the world of, of MMA. But it's just the way the story again is told, the relationship between brothers and the, obviously the fight between, between brothers and the relationship between them and their father. It's just phenomenal. Fantastic. Have you seen this one, Rob Warrior? No. I would put it on your list, and definitely, I agree with everything that you've said, Stu. It's a cracking film. Really good. Mm -hmm. And um, I have to include this. It is my favorite um, one. Actually, I'll say it. It is my favorite comedy film of all time. Um, South Park: Big Long Gun Uncut. When I went to see this in the cinema, firstly, I had the CD. Um, of the the soundtrack before the film came out okay. in 1999 and it was when our price existed I don't know if you remember our price mm-hmm. um, and it was I bought the CD from them a, a month before the film came out and I pretty much listened to it on loop for a month and so when I went to see the film in cinemas with four friends uh, which is a rare thing for me because I don't normally go to the cinema with people I prefer to go on my own um, I started to sing along to every single song <laughs> and I was just, it was the most laughter you actually heard from me just ever. 
I just couldn't stop laughing. It's just Matt Stone and Trey Parker because that was it was the height of when South Park was the brilliance that it is. I haven't watched South Park in a while now, but South Park uh, Big Long Run Cup will always remain for me the best comedy because it is the one that's made me laugh the most. I would pay money to see you sitting in an auditorium surrounded by people <laughs> singing Uncle Fucker. I really would. Yep. That, that, you know, if you ever want to make some money, that's how you do it. Just video it and sell that clip. I was just get people just looking at me and just now it's, it was a joyful kind of thing because I went to see the film. I was 19 when I saw South Park Big Long Long Big Longer Uncut and it was just a 19-year-old just singing along to Uncle Fucker and I, I, all kind of stuff with just people giving you that dodgy look and I'm thinking, I really don't care. I don't care. Uh, if, yeah. if that's how you feel, then just see there's an exit there perfectly just get out. If anybody's offended, they're watching the wrong film, aren't they? Exactly. <laughs> um, but, yep, South Park, Big and Un- Longer and Uncut is a genius film. And finally, it's a film that I, I've didn't, I haven't mentioned throughout the year. Um, it is definitely on my list for the main reason is because it was one of my mum's favourite films, and it is a brilliant film in its own right, E.T. Yeah. I had to re- include E.T. somewhere. Um, and so E.T. just missed out from going in my top 10 films of all time, my favourite films of all time. What more can be said about the film? It is it is a feel-good film, which pulls at your heartstrings at, at times. And it's just, yeah, it is that sort of like comfort blanket movie when you mention, oh, um, I'm going to watch a, a worth of films from the 80s. And E.T. is always at least in people's 10 films to watch from the 80s list. 40 <laughs> years old as well. Exactly. Crazy. Um, one years old. Um, four, yeah, come yeah, up. Four, one years old. Insane. Um, so nearly old as me. But yeah, uh, it's just a genius film, E.T. It is. Still holds up. Still gets your heartstrings. I, I watched it maybe, you know, at some point this year, I watched it on the projector and it was just like, wow. Obviously, I watched the proper version, not the walkie-talkie version. Why would you watch yeah. the walkie-talkie version? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a good list. I have so I've seen Donnie Darko, I've seen Twenty One Jump Street, I've seen Spirited Away, I've seen Warrior, I've seen Size Park, and I've seen ET. So all the others I obviously haven't seen. So yeah, good list. But now, Rob, have you watched Donnie Darko yet? Because I've been pestering you to watch that. <laughs> um, I think I've watched the first. I don't know five ten minutes. Oh, what happened? Uh, I wasn't in the mood for for the kind of film yeah. that that popped onto my screen. So a, a great, a great uh, it's still one. there. Um, yep. you know, and it's, it will be uh, will be watched, but I haven't watched it yet. Just make sure you watch the theatrical version, not the extended director's cut. Okay. And uh, there apparently is, and I say apparently because I like to wipe it from existence. There is a sequel called S Darko. Just ignore that. It yes. does not exist at all. <laughs> it doesn't. Don't even bother. Um, but if it does cross your mind, it is god awful. It's terrible. Yeah, it's not often I say films are terrible, but it's terrible. <laughs> so, yeah, don't watch S. Darko. Just stick with Donnie Darko, which is fantastic. Okay, okay. So I haven't really watched that many films because this time last sort of Friday, Saturday, I was busy hanging hanging around with Mick Garris, Alice Krieger, Neil Marshall, uh, Corin Hardy, and Reese Shearsmith. So I was quite quite busy mingling with, uh, with some cracking horror directors, <laughs> which was fun. So I've got a whole bunch of interviews and selfies and 
signatures and, and all sorts to try and get online at some point. But uh, my Friday, Saturday last week was amazing. Sunday, not so much because I ended up with a frozen shoulder. But the Friday, Saturday was great. And so I was, uh, just to push you there, yeah. who was the favourite Oh, Mick Garris. No brainer. Mick Garris is on the list. I was, and you could even hear it on the interview, uh, (laughs) because I had like 10, 15 minutes maximum with with Mick, with Alice, with uh, Reese, and Dominic Brunt as well. Forgot to mention Dominic Brunt. Their their film, Wolf Manor, which I highly recommend. Such such a funny film, was screening on the Saturday morning. And then I had the chance to sit down and have a conversation with. Uh, two of the special effects people, Dominic Brunt and a guy called Ashley Thorpe, who who directed a film called Borley Rectory, if you know that one, Stu. So I, I'm now friends with Ashley Thorpe. Um, but yeah, not easily Mick Garris. He was just mm-hmm. like, yeah, he, he's worth like quitting my job over. <laughs> so, <laughs> such a lovely guy. Um, everything you'd, you would expect to, to sort of do. So yeah, but you hear my voice crack at one point in the conversation of, with, of him with him because we were talking about all sorts it's like i don't want to ask him any specific questions because i can hear a lot on his podcast you know the post-mortem podcast mm-hmm. i've got his biography so there's a lot of stuff i know so i just sit and chatted with him just like how's things what are you up to where'd you get your energy from and then we ended up chatting about toby hooper and you know west craven and stuff like that so it was uh it was a very nice chat but easily one of the highlights of pretty much anything i've ever done so he's mm. he's now on that list um neil marshall i didn't get to sit down and chat with but they did screen the descent at that weekend on the big screen which is a great film so did you did you not uh, get to see his new film the left no it was screening on the sunday night and i had to leave by then so right. nope i didn't I'm um i've heard, I've heard just because um hellboy was terrible no offense to neil Yep. And the reckoning was—I hated the reckoning. I thought the reckoning was a pile of garbage. Well, somebody, somebody at the event I went to said, uh, uh, "Are you going to watch the lair?" And I went, "No." And they went, "Don't bother." <laughs> it's like, really? <laughs> okay. So it's not got good rumblings, but I'll give it a go. I'll watch it. But yeah, it's a like- shame because Neil Marsh—he got such a great start with Dog Soldiers <laughs> and Centurion and the Descent and. and- Doomsday. Um, Doomsday. Great films. It's like, I, I just don't. What do you think happened? Do you think it's I just studio think, interference or something? I think because he went off and directed a lot of TV stuff, because didn't he direct like an episode, a couple of episodes of Hannibal and Constantine and Game of Thrones and Westworld and yeah. um, Lost in Space? So he went off and did a lot of TV. And then I, I think TV has just darkened his mind. Right, um, and unfortunately, if the lair is bad, that means a triple bill of bad from from Neil Marshall. Hellboy, I sort of like forgive him slightly because it is probably it's a studio film. Yeah, um, Hellboy, so I, I forgive him slightly. But the reckoning, no, because the reckoning was and it was and is a Neil Marshall film. It's a very low budget movie, and it's a film where obviously the studios, when it comes to those low budget kind of things, do. They don't, in a way, don't really care, which can be a good thing, because it just means the director can actually do what the director wants to do with the ideas that they have. Yeah. Um, but it turned out to be an absolute mess of a film, the reckoning. It just had nothing of Neil Marshall's spark. And so I was hoping that the lair would be 
would be pretty decent, but unfortunately, from the sounds no. of things, and not. and this is from somebody that had watched it as well. So it's like, oh no, but uh, but I wasn't able to sit and watch the thing anyway. But I'll check it out at some point. I haven't seen the reckoning yet, well, to be honest. So don't you know? <laughs> but I would highly recommend Wolf Manor, which comes out when it comes out in the states. They've changed the title. It's called Scream of the Wolf. So I was sitting chatting with Dominic Brunt, going, "Wolf Manor is a better title," and he was like, "If yeah. <laughs> it was sort of, he was being very diplomatic, saying, well, you know, that's not really down to me.' And if somebody says change your title and you get lots of money, I'm like, hey, I'm not arguing with it. If somebody says change your title and you make a fortune, then change that title. I'm not sentimental to it whatsoever. But uh, but I did sort of state my case that Wolf Manor had me intrigued, whereas a film called Scream of the Wolf, I'm like, that sounds like 50 other films I might have seen. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, Wolf Manor, which is its UK title, was such a funny film. It's about this film crew that, that take over this old sort of stately home type thing to fill a, film a horror movie, and they stay a bit longer than they should, and a werewolf starts prowling around. And uh, But it's I was laughing my head off. It's very, very good. It does that thing where it, it does a joke, and then it makes the joke a little bit longer than normal, but it's still funny and then stretches it even more and it's still funny. So it's very clever rather than, okay, you've made that joke go on too long. It, it does its stuff very, very well. So put that on your list when it comes out at some point. Rob, what are you watching? Uh, for me, um, I uh, realised that um, with all the hype around uh, Enola Holmes 2 coming out that it actually starred Millie Bobby Brown so I actually went back on Netflix and watched the original um, and I'm just waiting to uh, grab a couple of hours to watch the second one now so I've watched the first Enola Holmes Okay, thoughts? Um, I thought it was very good uh, Millie Bobby Brown's a fantastic actress um, so um, kind of seeing her in the film is great um, you know she's uh, Sherlock's Ho- Sherlock Holmes's sister, um, pretty much um, kind of taking in his footsteps, or, or perhaps doing a better job than than he does himself. Um, after watching it, um, I'm probably going to rewatch it with Addie because um, with watching kind of Stranger Things with Addie, she's uh, uh, become a big Millie Bobby Brown fan herself, so. Uh, the the movie is suitable, so that is uh, something that we'll probably sit down and watch together. How far are you and Addy up to on Stranger Things? Uh, we are on season, I think we're at season three, episode four, something okay. like that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, she, it, you know, as it goes on, she just loves it more and more. Yeah, because I was chatting with you on the phone, I think, the other week, saying that because that, Addy's ten, isn't she? Yeah, uh, she won't get the nostalgia part of it. No, but I do kind of do running commentary over the top of it. You know, this is vinyl. This is a uh, you know a, a cassette player. This does she look at you like you're from the Stone Age? No, she just kind of lets it kind of probably go in one ear and out the other. But you know, she um, you know how many how many albums are on that disc? One. Yeah. What? Why would you? Well, why? Why is he turned it over then? Because that's the second half of it. What? That makes mm. no sense. Look at my phone. There's all the music in the world. I, I have to say though, being a 
a general collector, somebody who enjoys collecting kind of things that are both modern and retro. You know, I I already own things like, you know, I've got War of Worlds on vinyl because it's a fantastic set with art cards mm. and everything like that. You know, so she's seen these things before. So it, it, she's actually quite clued up for, for you know, uh, when it comes to most 10-year-olds. Okay. Yep, makes sense. So she's enjoying Stranger Things. She is. Good, good. So, um, and then another one we've started watching together. We've spent that much time watching TV. Uh, um, is um, Netflix's Wednesday? We we okay. we've watched the first three episodes of that now, and we're both thoroughly enjoying it. Um, you know, for me, it's the by far kind of the best um, kind of product to come out of the uh, Adams Family franchise. Uh, Highly recommend Wednesday. Is this one you're going to watch, Stu? I know you generally don't watch TV or too much TV, but um, I'm intrigued by it because Jenny Ortega, she is just a brilliant actress. She was mm-hmm. fantastic in Scream. She was yeah. one of the highlights in, in Scream. So, um, and I'm a huge Adams Family fan. I adore the Adams Family from the '60s. Absolutely love that TV series. Um, I used to watch it as a kid alongside the Monsters and then Rob Zombie absolutely shit oh. all over. <laughs> <laughs> I started watching the Monsters. I think I've seen about the first 15 minutes and I'm out. I'm like, it's I'm just, done. It's terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Still hasn't had official release in the UK. It doesn't need one. Movie. Just keep it. Yeah. Don't want it. Don't matter. I like Rob Zombie, but no. Is um, through American Netflix. Uh, but I, I, again, I was a huge fan of the Monsters, and then they did that. And the thing with the Adams Family is you've got two really good films and then some really awful films after that, including the animated films and the director video ones. So I'm slightly intrigued because it seems, even though I'm not a huge um, fan of Tim Burton and his latest stuff, his early stuff, yes, his latest yeah. stuff, no. It's sort of like it's got, for me, from what I've seen, it's got little elements of his early stuff. Mm. So that's that's what's getting me intrigued. The the crazy thing for me is I wanted to see what kind of um, the the general consensus consensus of Wednesday was. So I had a look at IMDb at the rating, and I have it ingrained in my mind that unless it's a film that's kind of from the sixties or seventies and possibly eighties, it's never going to get above like a six and a half. Um, Whereas when I checked it literally just a day or two ago, it was on 8.5 rating from uh, on IMDb, which, you know, I, I have to say, I don't I don't see that kind of stuff with modern shows. No, I just don't check ratings on IMDb no. anymore. <laughs> it's like, forget it. Whatever it is. It's usually no. wrong, but, you know, the, the fact that, you know, people are out there enjoying it and, and I think it's great, you know, then it must be really good. Yeah. Cool. What else have you watched then? Uh, other than that, I've uh, finished The Walking Dead. Me too. Yeah, I fin- I didn't realise I'd finished it, but I had finished it. So, what? <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts? Um, I I couldn't have come up with a better ending myself. You know, I thought you know it was very well done, knowing that you know several of the characters are going to go on to have spin-off shows, knowing that we're going to go and see kind of Rick again in the future with the, you know, with his uh, spin-off movies and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I I thought they handled it very well. Um, I 
was left wanting more, but I think that was always going to be the case. Yeah. Um, and I don't believe it's the last that we've seen of all of the characters who don't go on to have spin-off shows no. either. You're not telling me they're not going to slap a cameo in there every exactly every flaming episode just to get all the fans excited. It's the way the so, world works now, isn't al- it? Although The Walking Dead has kind of officially ended, yeah. I think it will continue just under different kind of variations of the name. I still think it should have ended a couple of years ago, though. Mm-hmm. Even though I like watching the episodes, these past sort of Little House on the Prairie seasons have been a bit of a slog, mm-hmm. I think. You know, it's all windmills and, you know, let's go out and find some crops. And you know, it's been less about zombies, hasn't it? And it's just been more about we need some, it's, we need some yeah, food. Yeah, it's, it's been more about the people, that, you know, and obviously new communities and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and also I think they, they missed a trick when they, or they screwed it up, when they diluted the character of Negan. Mm. You're never going to reach the high points of when Negan was a pure villain. He was amazing. He was like Joffrey sort of level at a Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the season afterwards when they did sort of t- tamed him, so to speak. But having Negan just wandering around going, yeah, I just want to be a good person now. I think it's a waste. I get it. And I enjoyed it because any scene where where he's on screen is, a mo- is mm-hmm. awesome. But it's just, it, it lacked the sort of impact of of those sort of baseball bat seasons, I think. But we've got time uh, to bring that back, haven't we, with, uh, you know, potential Negan spin-off? Yeah, but is he going to be... Is he just going to go, right, screw up, just going to be nasty again? I don't think... Because then that ruins everything that they've done with the series in the past couple of years. They can't just re- yeah. reboot him and turn him nasty. Well, well, from my point of view, I think because he's got this kind of caring side that's come on him. If you remember the the episodes of The Walking Dead where we've seen Negan's past yeah. and how Negan began, yeah. um, he was trying to protect his, his wife who needed meds. He was. And he went, you know, to find this. And then obviously it all didn't work out. His wife died. Then he turned nasty. Yeah. Now we've seen him and he's found a new love interest yep. and all that kind of stuff. You know, all it takes is somebody to do <laughs> somebody the wrong could... thing, and yep. then... He's off know. again. Exactly. Yeah. See, I'm not convinced we're going to get a lot of these spin-offs. You know, how often... I mean, they do it with superhero stuff all the time. We're getting this, we're getting this, we're getting the, the, the Sinister Six, and all this sort of... And then we're getting Batgirl, and then it just never happens. But, but I don't we know. Shall I, see. I, I've heard that you know we're going to get Fear the Walking Dead, and it happened. We're going to get Tales of the Walking Dead. It happened. You we're, know, we're getting Carol and Daryl, but that's not happening now because Carol's off. She's like, I'm not doing it. So she's like, ah, it. so we may, may get a Daryl. Maybe Daryl finds somebody else named Carol. Oh no, <laughs> it's getting silly now. I think. I mean, Stu, what do you think of this whole Walking Dead fiasco? Just craziness. I don't care a monkey's butthole. I really, <laughs> I really don't care about The Walking Dead. It's one of the reasons why I stopped watching it after about, I think, halfway through season four. Oh, yeah, but I didn't okay. even manage to get to the end of season four. It's just oh, that, no. even though zombies and stuff like that, it's very intriguing for me. Uh, I really couldn't care less about it. It was that kind of thing when Xbox um, released that thing where you could watch like 
um, Sky or um, a Netflix film with your friends. It had that room where you could join it, yeah, um, like a chat room. You could join it, and as long as you, all of you had a subscription to your Sky or whatever it was, like what um, Twitch does now, um, you could actually do that. And so there was a couple of programs that me and a couple of friends we used to watch each week, and it was uh, Game of Thrones and um, The Walking Dead. So we used to watch it on that, and we got well. I got up to the first, like season four, and then that's when I stopped. And so, pass. What made it's you just give, a snort fest to me? What made you sort of give up? Was there like an insult? Or do you just think no? No, it was just got it got extremely boring for us. I was just not interested in it whatsoever. And I think it was around about that time where I would just pretty much start stopping watching um, TV programs. If I'm being completely honest, so I, my, my list of TV programs that I've not seen is. Re- Ridiculous. <laughs> you could do a top 500 for next year then. <laughs> Pretty much. But no, The Walking Dead, sort of the main one, is done. I agree with you, Rob. It's like I was fine with the ending. Uh, I don't see how they could have ended a show any differently. You know, you could possibly have, hey, look, we found a cure. Thankfully, they didn't go down that route. Thankfully, they didn't go down the route of, oh, look, everybody's died. <laughs> um, they, they went down a sort of, not even a middling route. They went down a nice route. I thought the ending was good. But I I didn't realise I was watching the final episode. I thought I had one more. So when it was all tying up, I'm thinking, is this the finale? It feels like it's ending. And it did. So, But I was okay with that. So I've also finished the first season of Star Wars Andor, which I really, really liked. I was very, very impressed with that. It took me a couple of episodes to get into it, but I think by like episode three or four, like I am fully in. felt very much like Rogue One that sort of Star Wars, there were no Jedi Knights in it, no sign of a lightsaber. Obviously, it was more about the the forming of the Rebel Alliance, and you got sort of, casting was amazing, Stellan Skarsgård, Andy Serkis, Forrest Whitaker popped up in there. Uh, good series. So season two apparently starts shooting pretty soon, and I'll be very excited for that. I've also watched a TV show, or rather the first two episodes on Paramount Plus called Tulsa King, which is the new Sylvester Stallone as a mobster show. Very funny show. Very, very much into that. I wish they'd have dumped the whole lot on there, because then I could just watch it all in like a weekend. But uh, it's kind of weird seeing Stallone in a TV series. He's made little TV appearances before, but he's never really been in a long-running TV show. So I would check out Tulsa King if you've got Paramount Plus. Rob, anything else on your list? Um, I know I've seen something else, but it's not on my list, so no. Oh, no? Well, what, you've forgotten what it is. I have. <laughs> well, I watched I last... know. It, I know it was the documentary I told you about. Yeah, I, um, um, you watched something to do with Pepsi, Where's My Jet? Yes. That was, why am I uh, remembering what you've watched? Yeah, well, it saves me. Uh, you no, know, it doesn't save you from anything. You need to write that shit down. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, where's my jet? Um, where um, Pepsi in the nineties ran an advert in in the states that that pretty much said, um, you know, you can start collecting Pepsi points for every purchase you make of a, a Pepsi can. So you know, for one and a half thousand points, you can get a Pepsi jacket for. 2,000 points, you can get this. And then right at the end, just to give it some kind of, you know, awesomeness and appeal to the kids of the time, you've got um, a, uh, a kid arriving in a Harrier jet at high school. And it said, you know, um, 
what was it? Um, was it seven million or seven hundred thousand points? Whatever it yeah, was, yeah. it was a lot uh, of points. Yeah, Harrier jet, and it didn't have any kind of disclaimer on it or anything. And uh, there was this um, teenager at the time looking at the advert, and he said, "That sounds like a good deal." And he he went away, crunched the numbers, worked out it. Um, you know, was very cheap compared to uh, actually going and buying a Harrier jet, and it just so happened that he was friends with a millionaire, as you do. As as are we all, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So uh, they had a little chat. You know, when one thing led to another, and uh, to this day, he's still waiting for his Harrier jet. I don't think he's going to get it. I don't either. Um, but but it was a fascinating documentary, and you know to when you see kind of the stuff that Pepsi did, like kind of they were the first ones to to fire the bullet on taking someone to court. So they, you know, we are taking you to court for wanting a Harrier jet that we should give you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know all that kind of stuff. When when you see how they actually treated somebody who technically did nothing wrong it just shows you kind of that you know some of these huge corporations can get away with anything they want yeah of course they can yep well i watched the document while you reminded me about documentaries i watched one last night but uh, called introducing selma blair now selma blair you probably know from cruel intentions Mm -hmm. and legally blonde and stuff like that I didn't know that Selma Blair is a multiple sclerosis uh, sufferer. And no, me either. It, this documentary is all about someone who obviously follows as her documenting her illness, coming out with the illness, the treatment, and also it's absolutely heartbreaking. But it's all, it's it, they're strange these documentaries. It's so brave for the people to just go, yeah, follow me around, film me at my lowest. And then we'll release it. I, I can't imagine doing that. But mind you, I can't imagine going through some of the illnesses that people go through. But it was, uh, I wouldn't say it's a good documentary because you're obviously watching somebody who's going through a hell time mm. in life. But it's definitely a documentary worth watching. So, yeah, introducing Selma Blair. Mm. So we sat and watched that. I feel sorry for Annette because it's like I, I, I know a little bit about what we're going to watch. And. She hasn't a clue. So I'm like, well, watch a documentary. Which one? It's called Introduce to Selma Blair. What's it about? You'll find out when it's on. See, I know the basics. She, she, she finds out half, halfway through eating the bag of popcorn. Yeah, she's like, i got a minute. This is not a, a, a biography type thing. It's, uh, yeah, she does quite well to put up with some of the stuff that I, I just put on. <laughs> I've not yet put, um, put Serbian film on or Human Centipede, but, you know, that. That might might happen at some point, but uh, yeah, documentary-wise, introducing Selma Blair. No Harrier jump jets in that one, though. No. I watched a film last night that I think Stu Miller has probably seen, and he thinks is terrible. Uh, it's called Bullet Train. Yes, and it is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was terrible for the first 10, 15 minutes, and then once I sort of settled into the fact that it was just a mental crazy stupid film i quite enjoyed it but it's not even getting a sniff of my top 10 things of the year it's just i don't know i don't know what it is about that film i don't know why somebody signed a check for it it's just it's bonkers 
It's I don't know what sort of style it is either. I can't. It's, it's a very difficult <laughs> film to describe, other than the fact you've got a bunch of assassins who a lot of them are quite shit uh, on a train trying to get a briefcase, and they're all trying to kill each other. And it's it's sort of got the style of John Wick, but more comedic, and it's just weird. It's if John Wick and Scott Pilgrim had a baby. Yeah, it is, yeah. On a bullet train, and that, that, <laughs> yeah. that pretty much sums it up, but it gets every single one of the elements wrong. It kind of does. It gets the John Wick stuff wrong. Yep. It gets um, the comedy at the time and then the comedy elements of Scott Pilgrim completely wrong. Yep. And it even gets the bullet train wrong because some of the CGI in that film, my God, oh, is off. Oh, it's not good, is it? <laughs> <laughs> even some of the physics. Yeah. You've, you've got a guy at one point, I mean, bear in mind, it's called Bullet Train and it's all set on a bullet train. You've got a guy who sort of, one of the assassins misses the train, so he grabs hold of the end of the bullet train and he manages to ride along this damn thing for at least five, ten miles before climbing through a window. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure a bullet train would just flip you off very, very fast if that yep. was the case. So yeah, physics people don't don't watch Bullet Train. It was, uh, I'm glad I watched it. It's just crazy. Um, if they make a second one, I'm good. I'm all right. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really need to watch the second one. So I watched that one. Um, what else did I watch? What else have I watched? Uh, Wolf Manor I've mentioned. News of the World, which is quite good. It's a Tom Hanks film on Netflix. It's a Western, but you don't necessarily have to like Westerns. And it's kind of reminded me a lot of The Postman. Mm-hmm. To the point when Annette was looking it up, she went, is this from 1997 and was it called The Postman? I'm like, no, it was called News of the World. Uh, it had a similar sort of storyline. Tom Hanks plays this this ex-Western sort of type so set in the 1800s. He plays this ex-army uh, guy who travels from town to town reading the news for people who haven't got the time or don't know how to read. And he ends up sort of inheriting this girl who has sort of native she's been with a native american tribe but we suspect that she's german so she was kidnapped from a family at some point so he escorts her across the country to take her back home and stuff so it's a road trip sort of movie on a horse and cart but it's really good it's a good film i recommended that one to you didn't I, rub you did indeed so um and that's all i've watched so not a lot at all because uh, i've been too busy hanging out with with like you know the likes of Neil Marshall, Mick Garris, and, and all that lot, which was all right for some strange and surreal. But uh, a shout out to Neil Johnson as well, who hopefully is listening. He gave me a very good tip on how to fix camera footage that comes out fucking blurred. So thanks. it worked very well. As thanks, well. thanks for that, Neil. Yeah, I was going to do it for the rest of the interviews as well, but I'm like, you know what? They came out clear, so they're good. <laughs> because I can just upload them straight away very fast. They will all be released on YouTube and through Twitter at some point in the next couple of months because I do say something in two of those four interviews that I don't really want getting out just yet. So I'm having to hold those back. Uh, two of the people found it highly amusing that I was talking about a certain subject on the interview whilst it's been recorded on video. Uh, Mick Garris was one of them and Dominic Brunt was the other. They were laughing their head <laughs> off going, you do realise you've said this on camera? And I'm like, yes, but I don't care. So that was my week. Um, I am also going to be joining a new podcast in the new year, periodically. I'm going to be joining Sean O'Banion on his Stage 16 podcast. Sean's been on this show quite a few times, hasn't he? And uh, I'll always enjoy chatting with him. So I don't know how regular it's going to be. It's not going to make any difference to this one. 
but it just means I'll be talking more. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to just jumping on a show, talking, and then leaving somebody else to do the editing. <laughs> yes. Although maybe if Sean's listening to this, he's like, that's not my plan. My plan was that I jump on the podcast, send you the file, and you do the editing. I don't know. But <laughs> in my brain at the moment, pretty sure Sean's doing the editing. But who knows? So, Stu, any video games you've been playing? Are you still playing that thing where you're a stray cat or whatever? Stray. Yes, that's the one. <laughs> that threw you didn't it yeah um, films wise though I've watched a couple yeah. so uh, Black Panther Wakanda Forever okay um, I've, I've watched that Still Eternals is the only um, Marvel film I've not seen um, I'll, I'll have to rectify it because it is sort of like that when you've got a jigsaw puzzle and there's just that one piece that's just sitting there and you just go shall I put it in there shall I not shall I just leave it and it just starts aggravating you a little bit. So I'll have to eventually watch it. Uh, uh, but Black Panther were kind of forever. It's a good film, but that's all it is. It's not. It's nothing special. Okay. Um, C- just comp- compared to the first one. Yeah, uh, because it it does the sort of like the Chadwick Boseman thing that you're expected to do. Yeah. It, it is dedicated to him. It's just that everything else around it just didn't work. It just didn't fit very well. It just didn't feel like it had a coherence. There was just too much of a Scott Gunn approach to it, and it was just way too long. It's the reason why I'm not looking forward to the new Avatar, because it's three hours and 12 minutes long. Oh, no. That's horrendous. <laughs> yeah, Avatar The Way of Water. No. Um, and especially considering he's released it in 3D as well, so no. no. 2D is fine, but yeah. I'm really not looking forward to watching it, if I'm being honest. Are you going to go to uh, the big the cinema and watch it? Because I'm not even yeah, totally convinced probably. I'm going to do that. Probably. Right. I'll probably go see it at the cinema, but no, nah, because the, the couple of trailers, all the trailers that I have actually watched of it, just didn't go. No. Oh, I definitely want to see that because it looks intriguing. Same. It just look, you look at it and go, well, that looks pretty, and that's it. Yeah. Oh nope. Um, and I watched Pray for the Devil, which is is exactly what it says on the tin. Set in a um, in a not a convent. It's set in a monastery of sorts, a teaching school. Um, and this little girl gets stuck in there because she's been possessed by a demon. It's awful. It's one of those stupid little crappy um, possession kind of films, which they do exactly the same thing that's been done in a thousand other ones, of course. Yeah. So just avoid that. And then um, My Father's Dragon, which is the latest uh, cartoon saloon film. It's on Netflix. Okay. And the people behind um, Secret of Kells, Song of the Sea, The Breadwinner, Wolfwalkers. Um, it, it's, it's a very typical uh, cartoon saloon it's the easiest one for people to watch because it's not as deep as um all of that others i highly recommend obviously still to watch song of the sea that's my favorite cartoon saloon film it's an absolutely outstanding movie but this yeah it's a perfect film it's not like introduce a younger audience to cartoon saloons films it's sort of like the mind of a torture or the ponyo of um of the studio ghibli world so it's on Netflix, and I I definitely highly recommend watching it. It's a small, little, nicely uh, contained story about a boy who gets swept off to an island to try and rescue um, a dragon uh, with the help of a cat. Oh, but, um, I recommend watching it. And then today I watched that Guardians of the Galaxy extra special. I watched Some that Disney last night. Show. Yeah, yeah. What's your What's your thoughts? It's, it's charming. <laughs> you, you can't you can't hear it because there's nothing much to it. So there's nothing that you, you can't really just go, oh, well, that was crap, or that was too long, or that was this, it should have more action, blah, 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 blah. You just can't do that to it because it is 
It's a very small little self-contained. Didn't feel like it was 45 minutes. No, it didn't. Felt like it was only up for like 20 minutes. Um, so it never overstays its welcome. There was a couple of little funny parts in it. Amanda shows that she's a really good character in Plum, Plum, uh, Plum who actually plays Mantis. She's a brilliant actress anyway. And so, and Drax, Drax is just Drax. Best thing Dave Batista has actually ever done. Yep. Uh, so it, it's charming. It's just charming. And it was, uh, it's, it's yeah, I, I didn't know what to make of it because uh, the music was catchy too. <laughs> it's yeah. like, what's all that about? It, it, it was just charming. Uh, video game wise, I finally got my hands on a PS5. Okay. And even though they're like rooster teeth to try and get hold of, but I did finally get hold of a PlayStation 5. So um, the first thing I did was fully finish Astro's Playroom. How good um, is that game though with that joypad? It, it's brilliant. Um, yeah. I platinumed it. So um, I did. Wow. Uh, got all the trophies in it. It's not really that hard. Oh, wait, uh, I'm stuck on it. So, you know, don't use brag. The trophy, use the trophy system then. Uh, with inside the PlayStation 5 and it will give you hints on how to try and unlock the specific trophy and okay. just use the trophy system I may well um, so uh, I've um, I've played through that and then I started that Returnal which is uh, pretty good and then by the time I was getting into Returnal God of War Ragnarok came out so I've been mainly playing through God of War Ragnarok yep. have you gone for um, we- which version of the PS Plus have you gone for uh, well I had uh, PlayStation now right. and um I have PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, so I get PlayStation Plus pl- uh, Premium uh, because you automatically get that one. So I've got that until I think it's May next year. Yeah. Um, and then I'll evaluate which one I want to go with. Um, so I've got that one where you can play all the classic games and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've, so got, got, the, uh, I've got the basic one until next August because it auto-renewed. So it's like, damn yeah. it. So. Yeah. Um, there's a deal on at the moment where you can get like 25% off it. And if you do a sneaky little trick, you can get even more off it if you buy the, the cards through uh, Shop 2. Okay. You just get a little bit more of a discount off it. But yeah, God of War Ragnarok, it's, it's that kind of game where it's brilliant, but it's brilliantly frustrating at times. That The game just really makes you frustrated. Because <laughs> uh, so, sometimes the combat is not where you want it to be. And then when you finally get it where it wants to be, the character development is not where we want it to be. But it's only when you start. I, I feel like I'm at the point where I am get pretty much close to the end of the game. You, you do get that feeling when you play a game like this, where it reaches a certain point, and you know it's starting to ratchet itself up to being very close, if not the uh, end of the game itself. So I'm, I think I'm pretty much at that point. Um, which, yeah, it's it's a, been a, an interesting journey through it, but. It's a good way to actually showcase off the, the PlayStation Five, even though it's hitched a couple of times. Where does it? Where does it compare to the previous God of War game? Because that's the one I've played. That's like the only God of War game I played. I played them all. Right. Played all God of War games from the PlayStation Two either up to up to the present day. Um, there's more heart in this one. You, you'll see a different kind of Kratos, a more broken Kratos. Uh, you sort of like got elements of the broken Kratos in the 2018 God of War, yeah. but he's more of a broken man. You can definitely tell this is it for Kratos. Just the way he actually talks, the way his interactions with the Atreus is, just when there are times when the camera just looms on his face and how ragged he is, how much he's actually, you know, thinking to himself that's it, I'm done. Yeah. So it's, um, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously a God of War game without Kratos, is it a God of War game? 
not really, because he actually is the god of war. He is, yeah. Uh, so we'll see what they do with it. Maybe they could explore a younger creator, so I don't know. But um, it's not spoilers, because I don't know what the outcome of Ragnarok actually is um, yet. So it, it is, it's a, he's a fractured Kratos. So what's your thoughts on the PS5 in general, on the fact it's huge? <laughs> it's a massive, massive it's, console, isn't it? It's fine, because uh, I've got it set up in my bedroom, because that's where my main setup actually is. And I've got a coffee table beside, not far from my TV camp, so it's actually on that. Um, so it doesn't take up a lot of space, and it, it's fine. It still revs up a lot when you're actually playing a, um, a game from a disc. Mm. You would have thought, you know what, I would have thought that this would have been more silent, but that's not the case, but... Once it's done its little initial push, it's just silent throughout. So it's nice to actually not get your uh, PlayStation just sound like a jet engine. And it's about <laughs> to actually yeah. take off. Um, so it's nice to get that. But it, it, when your room is dark and you've got that luminescent blue just uh, just coming from the console and your controller, the, the reactor, the movie, it is, it's actually quite nice. But I like the design of it. I think it's quite quick. I do. I mean, I had sort of, I had a, an Xbox Series S, the digital one, which you've got, Rob. Mm-hmm. And I remember putting it next to the PS5 disc one, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> the size is obviously crazy. And I also have a Series X now. I got rid of the digital and upgraded to an X. And that's nice and dinky. Um, but I like the PS5, as long as you've got space to actually put it somewhere. And uh, have you got yours stood up, or I've got mine on my side, on its, on its side, actually, now. I changed it yeah, over a couple a, of weeks back. I've got it flat. I'm mm. um, using that stupid little, very weird stand that comes with it to yeah. stop it from spinning around on the table. <laughs> exactly. Have you been playing anything, Rob? Uh, nope. No? Neither have I, to be fair. Too busy um, kind of writing news articles and, you, you know, battling with uh press releases and working out which ones i want to bother with oh. and which ones i don't that's a headache isn't it we touched upon that i think a couple of podcasts oh, yeah. ago i don't know whether it was on a podcast or whether it was on a phone call but we were yeah we were chatting about press releases and some of them are a bloody headache and some of them aren't and um yeah because i think some are great last, some are not yeah <laughs> last week you know obviously we were we were chatting on uh on here and i said uh, i was looking forward to the week well it was before the weekend it was the thursday i believe um i was on a call with tony Khan from mate uh, the owner of aw wrestling yeah um you know for the um pre-pay-per-view media call that kind of press stuff is is really nice mm-hmm. um but you know just you know the the companies who'll send you a press release and not even bother answering your your emails if you've got a query or you know <laughs> want some additional information. The great, the, the great ones are the ones that send you a big block of text with no images. Yeah, and then you're like, "What am I going to do with that? I'm not going to run around and find images. Go away." Um, or the ones that just keep chase, keep sending you the same thing over and over again, going, "Hey, just uh, thought I'd remind you. Yeah, I got it the fourth time. Thank you." Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, it is very interesting looking at the different types of press releases that you get coming through. And my favourite one, I can't remember which company it is. I think it was whoever's dealing with Studio Canal. They just randomly sent me the screener disc through for the new restoration of the 1976 King Kong. And I'm like, what's this that's come through the post? Oh my god, somebody's actually sent me a screener disc. I've not <laughs> seen one of these for months. So yeah, that was great. I want more of those, please. Less online screener links because I'm not a fan of those. 
Uh, mm-hmm. Although I do get why they exist. Uh, and more discs, please, because I get to watch all the special features. And I can watch the uh, the thing in my living room. So, But yeah, no, I've got this whole press release thing to catch up on when I'm back at work tomorrow night, <laughs> working from home. Uh, obviously, on my break, I would never do my own stuff while I'm at work. That would be terrible, <laughs> wouldn't it? And I'm sure nobody ever does that. But yeah, I've got a whole bunch of stuff to catch up on. So, you know, including tracking down the best version of Metropolis, because there's lots of different versions of Metropolis. There is. In fact, have you got any thoughts on that, Stu? I know there's loads. There's one with a Queen soundtrack. There's one without the Queen soundtrack. There's stupidly long versions. Where should I start with Metropolis? Um, If you can find it, I think it is on YouTube. Just watch the original cut. Right. Because the the original cut, if you like, I said if you can try and find it, that's the the distilled version of it. So that, that's the version that should be watched. Right. Um, so I would recommend the original cut uh, of Metropolis if you can find it. Because I am uh, guessing, but, uh, I'm guessing Fritz Lang didn't intend it to have a Queen soundtrack. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think that was his original vision, yeah. was it? Very, very true. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, if you can watch it in its original form, it's uh, well, it's one of those films where it's got a, a Metacritic score of ninety eight. Wow! So it shows you how important um, Metropolis actually is. The only thing is, it's a long film. Yeah. So just because it is from the nineteen twenties, don't think it's oh, it's going to be like forty minutes. No, long. No, it's well actually, over two hours, isn't it? Two and a half hours long, Metropolis. So it's a silent two and a half hour film. I can hear um, I can so hear Rob salivating at that thought. <laughs> You're going to watch it tonight, aren't you, Rob? No, no. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> to, to be fair, I do think Metropolis is iconic with the mm. you know with the robot and everything like that. Even though I've never seen it, I know of it, and you know the imagery is amazing. Isn't it like one of the most expensive films ever made? Because if you sort of adjust it for the time period it was made in. Probably yeah. Fritz Lang was just like it's, you know crazy. considering the year it was made, you know, it's got some pretty good effects in it. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, yeah. It's very clever. They they sort of like they did make a colorized version of it. Don't watch that. No, 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 no. I remember just years ago I got I'd never seen Night of the Living Dead and the only version I could get was the colorized one. So what I did was put it in my DVD player and turn the color and stuff off on the TV <laughs> and watched it in black and white the way it was meant to be. Never, yeah, don't ever watch a colorized version of anything, really. Yeah, but um, it is on the BFI player. Um, there's an introduction by Mark Kermode on the BFI player. Okay. If you don't have the BFI player, then it is. it definitely is on YouTube. Um, so just, just watch it on YouTube. I will be watching it on YouTube. I do not have the BFI player. got too many subscriptions, as it is. <laughs> and, I'm ge- and I'm guessing the BFI player is not free. Nope. You know, did not think it was. No. Nope. Something like ten or a month or something like that. The usual price at all these are. Isn't it? So what's everybody got planned for their week, Stu? Hopefully your week coming is better than the week just gone, other than the gig, obviously. Uh, work. It's really work. Yeah, that that that's pretty much my life. It sums up my life to a T. Just work. Have you got any plans um, for next year then? Have you set any resolutions or challenges for, for 2023 for yourself? Not really. Um, I, I've started to sort, sort like select the gigs that I'm going to. I've already got um, Slam Dunk to go to in, in Leeds in May. 
and I'm back to download in June, which it's the 20th anniversary. The lineup's insane for that. I saw uh, one of Adette's daughters was reading the lineup out for that next yeah. year, and it's pretty impressive. Double Metallica and Bring Me the Horizon and Suit Not Headliners, which I couldn't care less about Metallica because they suck. Really? Oh, no. Yeah, I don't like Metallica. Oh. Um, so I'll see them on one of the days, probably the Thursday, just to see that I have actually seen Metallica. Yeah. Because Saturday at Download is notorious for selling out, um, especially the day tickets. So it is always notoriously packed on a Saturday. So I think more people will be seeing them on the Saturday than they will be seeing them on the Thursday. Okay. So I'll go to see them on the Thursday and say, oh, yes, I've seen Metallica. And then I couldn't care less about seeing them on, on the Saturday <laughs> at all. Because they suck. Who else are you uh, stupidly excited about seeing then? Oh, not who else, but who are you stupidly excited about seeing it Download next year? Well, I've seen Slipknot already. Um, I saw them in 2019. So um, I've seen Slipknot. Bring Me The Horizon. Uh, uh, Bring Me The Horizon is one of those bands, like a Marmite band. Yeah, I either like them or hate them. I love their early stuff. Some of their new stuff is a bit eh. Uh, I'll, I'll still come with to see them. Ar- architects have always wanted to see them. I've seen I Prevail already. Um, Evanescence. Definitely can't wait to see Evanescence. Um, Within Temptation, Lorna Shaw. I love Lorna Shaw. Lorna Shaw deathcore, proper, proper deathcore. So I can't wait to see Lorna Shaw. Bloody Wood. Bloody Wood are Indian metal. So it's like Bangra kind of metal, and they are brilliant. Absolutely phenomenal. So I can't wait to see them. And then, obviously, there will be more bands added to the lineup. Now, Rob, were you with me in, in the fact that you've heard of probably about three of those? <laughs> I, I was thinking, where's Jason Donovan? He's not, no. He's, unfortunately, he's had to drop out of download for next oh. year uh, because Neighbours is coming back, isn't it? And, you know, he might yeah. be able to get a bit of a job uh, in between postcode lottery adverts. So I'll, I'll sell my ticket. Yep. Get it's rid of it. It's going to be short on Freevee, isn't it, Neighbours? It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. I'm so excited that it's coming back. Are you though? Are you, I, really? Why? Um, it's finished. He ended it. It's done. Because, they had a finale and everything. Exactly. Like I said on this podcast when it finished, although I hadn't been watching it recently, you know, I haven't watched it pretty much since kind of the Kylie and Jason uh, years. So, so around 1986 um, then. Right, yeah. Okay. yeah. <laughs> so you hadn't so you hadn't watched it since 1986, but Do you I watched you watched the finale the just like me. And now yeah. you're getting very excited because it's coming back. Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because <laughs> I said on this podcast when I watched the uh, finale yeah. that, you know, even though I hadn't been watching it, part of me was sad. I, I felt this sadness just because it's like the end of an era. It was. It's one of those things <laughs> that you're happy, your head is happy knowing that that's playing over there, yeah. even though you're not watching it. Yeah. So when it ended, it was sad. And now it's coming back. The world is right itself. And, and are you going to watch it, or is it going to be like 1987 all over again, where you're just not even paying attention to Neighbours anymore? Well, <laughs> I probably watch the first episode and then to see bin how it. they bring it back. <laughs> and then, yeah, bin it. No, bin it. What, what is most exciting about it is the fact that they've got the back catalogue. So if I want to, I can go back and watch the stuff I've missed out on. Oh, you are not telling me they are going to dump all yes. seasons of Neighbours oh, on freezing. Oh, yes. Yeah, indeed. Oh, Jesus and it's a free. It, it's free as well. So it's yeah. not the fact that you're paying a subscription to it. No. Um, it's not the fact that you have to worry about having a TV license to watch it. It is actually free for you to watch it. Mm. So 
Do you, think, Why not? <laughs> do you think anybody's going to go back and probably Rob actually anybody's yes, going to go back and watch like forty years worth of Neighbours? I tell you that was that was cutting edge and it got some pretty edgy stuff in it. Oh, it was a good show it, back then. I, I don't yeah. know if you ever tuned into the first episode. I did, but the very first episode of Neighbours had a stripper. Yeah, I watched. I actually did watch Neighbours. I watched Neighbours when it started, up until probably I saw when when. Uh, Darius Perkins left and then Jason Donovan took over Scott Robinson and then everybody recognised him going, oh it's Scott Robinson, it's not, it's a different person, how do you recognise him, I hate stuff like that um, I probably watched it till like 88, 89 and, I've, I've and then to, bailed I've, out I've got to watch when, you know Harold supposedly died when he was washed into the sea and then turned up like back. 10 years later yeah, just so much kind of Good stuff to watch. But then, so I'm I'm going to relive the happy times of my life. Can we can we not have like every single episode? So what have you watched? Fifteen episodes of Neighbours every single week, though. No, I, I wouldn't be that boring. What I'd say is, <laughs> I watched the one where Harold died. Right. Now let me break it down for you. Oh God, do a, a separate <laughs> podcast on your That's Pop Culture yeah. website. He's just going to have a Neighbours podcast, and that's it. Good. Yep. Stu, are we going to be on that? I'm saying no for me. Nope. nope. <laughs> I, used I was to... more home and away kind of person. Yeah, so I, I liked Home and Away as well. <laughs> I watched that probably till like That's 1990 fine. or whatever. <laughs> Carl, Carl Kennedy will be my co-host. I'm sure yeah. there are lots of neighbours people who would be glad of the work. <laughs> Rob, Rob and Carl. Have, I ever met, have we ever met anybody that's been in neighbours? I don't think so. I don't know. Uh, well, I'm uh, sorry, I've been to a Jason Donovan concert, so I'm saying I've met Jason. There you go. Well, you've been in the same room as Jason Donovan. Exactly. So that's pretty that's, good. That's good enough. Yeah, I haven't, so you're one up on me yeah. on that one. But, you know, feel free to brag about that because not many people will. So, But you, you're genuinely going to go back and rewatch Neighbours. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I just find it weird that you're not going to. Uh, there's too much stuff to How watch. Strange. There's too much stuff to watch. Bizarre. I'm starting. To, I'm starting to feel a little bit like Stu did on his podcast, but he has to watch things in a specific order. I've just, just got too much you're stuff to wrong. watch. There's not enough hours in the day for me to watch eight thousand well, episodes of Neighbours. You know what? Just for you. No. I will rewatch it. You know, Good. I'll watch like kind of five, six episodes a week. Yeah. And then I'll condense it into like a five-minute recap for you. Yeah, but we'll make it all in one section because it's easier for me to edit out then <laughs> rather than spit it out in various points throughout the episode because that would get a little bit tricky and mean more work for me. So <laughs> Sounds good. To put it in context for you, there are more episodes of Neighbours than there is episodes of EastEnders. Oh, my Fantastic. God. That's what however, we needed, and Amazon brings it to us. Thank you, Amazon. However, there are two, a couple of shows which actually have more episodes. Coronation Street do. Yeah. 10,230 episodes. And Emmerdale? Uh, Emmerdale does. Yeah. 8,815 episodes. And Hollyoaks. Wow. With 5,987, because <laughs> there's 5,000... 955 episodes of Neighbours. That's crazy. Oh, EastEnders are on 5,180. Friday night sorted for many years to come. <sighs> we surprisingly reached 5,805 episodes. 
again, more than EastEnders, maybe I, 700 more episodes. I would go back and watch all the episodes of Brookside, though, if they got dropped on a streamer. Because <laughs> there's a lot of those I missed. I, mean, I did used to, to like Brookside. So, you know. But Amazon. Watch, out, don't really for, watch out for those dodgy window cleaners. Yeah, exactly. And people get buried <laughs> under patios and stuff. Oh, like yes. <laughs> Have you ever been into, at some point in your life, a soap opera, Stu? Nope. Nope. That's <laughs> an easy answer. Brookside, Brookside but, by the way, is 2,915 Wow. But now all the episodes of Neighbours are going to drop onto you, uh, Freebie. You, I'm right in saying, Stu, you will be watching. I don't think you're right at all, Rob, to be fair. You know, I don't gamble, but I'm not betting that Stu is going to be running for those, uh, those you, what, what you fail to remember, Stuart, is that yeah. Stu will hate a franchise, you know, James Bond, for example, yeah. and still go out to the cinema to see the latest James Bond. So I think he's going to be all over Neighbours. No, but in Stu's defence, there's 25 Bond movies, or 26 if you want to count the unofficial, or 27 if you count the unofficial ones. So that's probably, what, like 55 hours or something, give or take. Neighbours, 40 years. No, I don't think... But like I say, Stu will fit it in because he's got to review them. If he doesn't have to review them. No, not anymore. Well, if I do that, I have for next year, actually. Ooh, so more, more rumblings of the return of the Stu Miller podcast. Um, First so, episode, uh, Neighbours, Why I Hate It. <laughs> so, First season. <laughs> what, what sort of, are you able to share any more ideas at all other than this, like rumblings that you may want to come back as a podcast? It might be back in more than one form. That's all I'll see. You're welcome, Stu, by the way. What's, what's, yes. he, what's he welcome for? Well, you know, he's been on this podcast and he thinks, you know what? Welcoming just such nice guys talk about such great shows like Neighbours that no. I'm bringing my show back I, to. I think, and I'm, I'm going to put words in Stu's mouth there, I, I think he's thought, these fuckers have done 652 episodes and they're still going... I can do it in my sleep and I'll be fine. <laughs> it's, it's probably more accurate. <laughs> He's not denying it, you see? This is, this is just, the silence is golden. Because the fact that I think I did more episodes of the Monday Movie Show than, I, than you have done of your show. So I'm, I'm giving you the opportunity to catch up with the Monday Movie Show. How many, how many did you do then? Have you got that number um, to hand? I, I can't remember. Well, I started in 2010. Um, with the Monday movie show, and it ended in 2021. Yeah. So it went for 11 years. And um, remember, back in 2010 up to around about 2012, it was two episodes a week rather than just oh, one. Oh, because you chopped it down the middle. That's the only <laughs> thing we could do it, so, but still it's well, two episodes. Right. So, so one was for uh, cinema, one was for um, DVD, and then we melded them together. So um, it's quite a few episodes. Yeah, it's like 1,100 if I do my calculations right. So what I'm going to do now is chop this episode 652 <laughs> up into one-minute segments. So ah. there are, welcome to episode 652, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, and so on. We did a couple of spoiler uh, podcasts. We did a couple of spin-off episodes as well. There was the end of the year shows yeah. um, that, that we actually did. So um, there were little spin-off ones here and there as well. So... Um, yeah, th th there's quite a few episodes that has done with the Monday Movie Show. I have most, I don't think I've got the ones from your shows, but I have most of the guest appearances that I've made 
So I've got like the ones I did on the Golden Globus Theatre. I've not been on there for a while. Come on, guys, sort that out. Um, I have most of them. I always make sure I download a copy of the ones I'm on, but I don't yeah. think I have any of yours. But, you know, well, that's fine. because it's a thing. It's fine. <laughs> I- so you, you're sort of missing podcast. I notice now and again you'll go, when are we recording next? So I think I'd struggle if I didn't podcast. I don't think I could stop. Yeah, it is nice to chat about movies every once in a while. When you just sit there and just your friends at work or your colleagues at work just really don't care. And you're just trying to say, <laughs> do not watch this film because it's terrible. Or you need to watch this film because it will change your life. And they're just still giving you that blank stare as to say, I don't care. It's just <laughs> nice to be able to actually get that out because then it's just going to build up inside you and you're just going to walk down your local town centre one day and find the first stranger and just go, <laughs> grab them. You really need to see this film and start shaking them and just, Beat them over the head with a Studio Ghibli box set. Go, watch it. (laughs) Do you mean you've never seen Spirited Away or you don't know what a Totoro is? What's the matter with you? It it is nice to actually just let that at your system once in a while. It is. I have like 14 episodes that I've got to try and put together, all the guest interviews and stuff I've done over Grimfest. So at some point, I'm going to sit down and do loads of solo intros and then tag these little 10, 15 minute intros in. So I may catch up with your. uh, episode thing by the end of the year i think probably not no but you know i'll give there it there you go you've been told i have and um, when rob you start doing your neighbor's podcast then you'll probably just rock it past us and yeah. uh, who knows somebody <laughs> might even listen it's possible uh, at least two or three episodes a day you'd need them yep but uh, what have you guys got planned for the rest of your evening rob anything exciting can't watch neighbors uh, yet it's not until next year uh, I thought I'd go and uh, see if I could find a few of the old neighbours that I had on VHS and I'd give them a go. Yeah. Probably not even kidding. But now, what are you up to? <laughs> I've just told you. Oh, that's <laughs> it. Okay. <laughs> Wednesday. That's probably what I'm up to. Wednesday. Stu, what are you going to do? Um, probably watch some tweets and then go to bed because I've got work tomorrow. Okay. Uh, is it one of those early starts, Stu? Um, got to be up at six o'clock. Ugh. I've got to yeah. start at eight o'clock at night. Ugh. I've got to return to work. They're always fun, aren't they? <laughs> Are you still ill? Nope. Is it going to reoccur again? Probably not. Um, Are you able to be at work? Yes. Leave me alone. Go away. So yeah. there you go. But yeah, that's my evening. I'm going to find some film to watch. Uh, I'm not going to watch Bullet Train again because it's terrible. I might sit down and watch the 1976 version of King Kong, which I've got to watch at some point. But something, I'll do something. But uh, thank you very much for your uh, your 10 films, Stu, for November. The next time we all reconvene, it will likely be December, and then we get to go through our 10 favourite films of all time with a number one ranked film. So, Rob, make sure you Number pick... one, Street Fighter, Kylie make... Minogue. You yes. can fuck off. No, that's, not num- that's not even in anybody's top 100, for the love of God. You don't even know that, Stuart. That is that if that's it, if You'll that... have to tune in if... next if, next tune, month and find out. Tune in. What? Yeah, <laughs> Mind yeah. you, this. I think tune this in. is this is actually available on Tune In. So you know, there you go. Uh, but yeah, that is. I'd be shocked. Uh, every time I see Abel and I mention your name, he's like fucking Power Rangers, <laughs> or he's still mad at you uh, for uh, for Jupiter ascending. Respect for Power Rangers at the moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, please yes, do. Exactly. But, uh, but uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not sticking up for Power Rangers. No, no, stick was, up, stick up for people I'll, who are in it. I'll, yeah, yeah. I'll stick up for, for him. Yes. But yeah, uh, it's going to be like 
um, Power Rangers are going to be in his number five, and then it's going to be Mortal Kombat at number four, and oh. then Annihilation at number three, oh, Street Fighter number two, and then The Legend of Chun Li number one. Oh, gotta be. You spoiled. You spoiled. There's you fucking no chance. No, nope. you wouldn't even watch it. You haven't watched the show since '86, other than the finale. Grease four. Oh, for fuck's sake. No, I'm still depressed that Grease 2's in your top 100. <laughs> I am going to, um, once I've done my sort of top 10 for next month, I'm going to dump my top 100 on Facebook and just wait to get annihilated by everybody on there. It's about yeah. to happen, but I don't care because yeah. I like those films. So, um, But yeah, you guys enjoy the rest of your evening. And Stu, good luck with work tomorrow. Me, good luck with work yeah. tomorrow. Rob, enjoy day off. And uh, and we will reconvene soon. Yep. What is that? <laughs> is that you? That's got to be Rob, isn't it? What are you doing? What's that from? Uh, it's, it's Zordon finally calling us. Probably. Anyway, on that on that on that note, I'm legging it. <laughs> leave the child with his toy. Yes, I'm going to leave the child with his toy. Uh, enjoy yep. your evening. Take care. I'll catch up with you soon. Bye. Bye bye. Jason Donovan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bye. <laughs>